Hello, Michael. How are you doing? And welcome to this week's uh, Formula One Plus with myself. With myself, and uh, like to welcome also the listeners to this podcast. And of course, no doubt we have some some more excellent news from the world of Formula One. Yeah, we do indeed. And as always, there's always a race. There's always something something happening. And of course, last weekend we had the Turkish Grand Prix. I hope you were watching. Because it was a great drive for Mercedes in the Turkish Grand Prix, which gave him the 10th victory of the season, would you believe? Uh, and most more critically, some claimed the seventh driver's championship title for Lewis Hamilton, equaling, equaling Michael Schumacher's record. As uh, uh, Racing Point Sergio, Sergio Perez and Sebastian Vettel completed the podium, podium after a thrilling race in Istanbul. Um, Hamilton actually started six in that race uh, and he rose to third midway through the first lap and then dropped back a bit after an error at turn nine. But it was to be his race, as they say, um, to to win the championship. Behind Hamilton, uh, the last lap actually was very dramatic. It's uh, Sergio Perez overtaken by Charles Leclerc for P2, believe it or not. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, Charles overcooked it at turn 12. And Perez took second place and Vettel went through past his teammate as well. So Charles de Klerk should have been third. But look, there you go. As I say, that's all you can say. So it ended up as Lewis Hamilton first, uh, Sergio Perez second, Sebastian Vettel third, uh, Charles de Klerk fourth and Carlos Sainz fifth. What's actually very good about the race I noticed was Ferrari seemed to be on the comeback. Now, it could be the wet conditions. It highlighted both Ferrari's drivers being uh, amazingly good at what they do. Uh, and you could say that it's shown that it's not the drivers, it's actually the car is the issue. But um, oh, there you go. It was a good Turkish Grand Prix. Uh, as for news for the week, I don't know if anyone's interested in um, the F1 Esports Pro Series, but Event 3 has kicked off from that. Um, with Red Bull Racing esports team, they were leading the session there halfway halfway point, but there's still two rounds to go and everything to play for, and we'll see how everybody goes. So if you're interested in that, the esports pro series, um, don't forget to tune in. It's normally around about the channel four mark. If you are looking for it, or if you have Sky, well, you're going to find it in there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> um, that's it, and that's. I suppose really look looking towards this uh, the next uh, Grand Prix. Where are we heading to? No, our next Grand Prix. Our next Grand Prix is actually in Bahrain. Believe it or not, a, a, a circuit that has been around since two thousand four. Um, a pretty good circuit. Fifty seven laps, five point four kilometers. Uh, race distance of three hundred and eight kilometers, and a lap record of one thirty one point four four seven by. Pedro de la Rosa in 2005. There's a name you haven't heard for quite some time, as they say. Um, but there you go. It's a, it's a great little track. I, I particularly, I would be fond of this track. And I, I normally don't like the non-European tracks. But the Bahrain track itself is is absolutely fantastic. There's there's three DRS zones on it um, between turn 15 and 1, uh, 3 and 4, and 10 and 11. Um, 15 to 1, I'd say, will be hotly fought as there is a bit of a there is a bit of a 120 degree turn at the end of that. Um, so I think you're going to want to set up yourself very well through turns 14 and turns 15, uh, in my opinion. Um and I would say that you're probably not going to see anything other than the status quo at the minute. Although I am hoping 
that is not only the Ferrari drivers, I'm kind of hoping the Ferrari cars will come up in the world uh, a bit as well. We'll have to wait and see, as we say, um, to see what's going on there, you know. So uh, it, it'll be That's nice. It. It'll be nice to see a bit of a jewel in the desert, as they said, this weekend. That's it. And of course, uh, you touched on it there about, uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton winning again. He's breaking all sorts of uh, Formula One records, isn't he, at the moment? And uh, equaling and breaking them and all, all sorts of things. So I suppose he's up there. He's up there with the in the Schumacher in the Schumacher class now at the moment. He is indeed. Um, actually, reading during the week, um, not nothing to do with Lewis in this case, but there was a there's a few prominent people were asked on uh, one of the websites about uh, this year's Formula One, and and if you recall closely, uh, Michael said, "Who I don't know who he is, uh, that he didn't think the Formula One should race this year, and that it was a very kind of a." No one could develop the car. No one could develop anything, really, because it was so short. And it looks like a lot of people, including Martin Brundle, are agreeing with that. Um, you know, you, you heard it here first on Ross FM, as they say. There you go. That, that's it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a credit to organizers, uh, to organizers of all sports, really, at all levels that, well, more specifically, I suppose, professional levels in soccer, rugby and, you know, various other sports, even athletics as well, that, uh, you know, sports are now go ahead, like, you know, even even international matches, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of cases in the Irish team as well as that, you know, as well, that, you know, there's still sport on, on television and no more so than Formula One because, you know, like to stage these things, uh, you know, something as something like Formula One, which is an expensive, <laughs> an expensive sport in itself, uh, requiring a lot, a lot of money. It's kind of, you know, the the, the it's behind the the behind the scenes stuff and the the restrictions and all the health and safety, the additional, I should say, health and safety uh, measures that have to be taken due to COVID. Yeah, it is. Um, it's absolutely amazing when you think about it. So many people in each team working close together. And I mean, teams are, they are quite large. There's a quite a lot of people working in an F1 team these days. And of course, you've then got to get a car, disassemble it, put it back to, put it in the back of a truck, put it together, fly to another country. Okay, there's a bit less travel this year but still at the same time you've got to package all that up fly to another country take it all apart put it back in another place an awful lot of travel involved an awful lot of contact involved and yet it's fair now pretty good uh, so far there hasn't been really any outbreaks which everybody feared for one of the racing teams this year so it's good to see as to say and it's good to see sports in general because I think with people locked down, you know, people need something, don't they? And with the, with the weather being so bad, isn't it great to be able to watch your own team or your favourite football team or whoever on the television? It's It, it, it gives you something, it gives you a bit of normality, I would have said. What do you think yourself, Aidan? That's it, because, I mean, you know, look, if you're a, if you're a fan of, of sport and we say someone like myself, like, you know, that's actually involved in teams or... You know, if you're a fan that you that's usually goes to matches on a Saturday and Sunday or whatever, and suddenly that's that's kind of we've seen it in the league. We see it in the League of Ireland now. Mm. You know, the, all games are held behind closed doors, and you know there's usually a great atmosphere at the at them games. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, that's actually taken away from the fans. Yeah, the fact that they can't go and that the the players miss that as well. So it's kind of. 
a lot of aspects of sport now, and I, I know I'm saying that you know, um, people's health and health and safety, you know, is paramount. But you know, there's just something about watching sport if you're into it. Um, you know, it just put it, it just gives you a boost, like when you're watching your team playing and they're winning, that kind of everything else seems insignificant because for that for that moment or whatever, the fact that your team won or your favorite athlete won, it, it gives you a boost. It, it gives you a boost or a morale boost. You know what I mean? Yeah. So from that point of view, it is important. But I, I suppose really, you, you know, the health and safety of of everyone is more is important. But also, you know, when organisations are are you know in this case Formula One are are organising uh, Grand Prix, they have to you know they have to take into consideration again. The health and safety of the mechanics, the the executive, you know, the the committees and the managers, and you know, as well as the drivers. There's there's a lot of a lot of things that that, that goes on behind the scenes, like you just said, to ensure that everyone is kept safe. Yeah, and like the the money that has to be done because what what uh, people need to realize is, like, there's no um, there's no money coming in. Yes, for these teams, yeah. you know, you know, so they're they're having to do all this on the shoestring budget, so <laughs> that makes it even more tougher. And then all the the expense of doing all the testing, uh, you know, with the, the Ireland team and all the international teams when the players are away, mm. you know, when the club players have entrusted their players to their their country team, their their countries, you know, that they're hoping that, you know, that they, uh, you know, the likes of the FAI. They're being tested first and foremost when they arrive into Ireland for the camp, you know. Yeah. And uh, also between between matches, like so before a game and after a game. Yeah. You know, there's a lot into it, and it's taking a lot. It's making sport difficult, but you know it is. It's a. It's great to see because it sport does does give a lift to everyone. Yeah, it does indeed. It does give a lift. Um, I, I mean, it's like everything, you know, the summer we were lucky with lockdown. I mean, the, the weather was absolutely beautiful and people were out walking down the road, but it has been uh, uh, down here anyhow in the, in, in the rainy southeast. It has to be good. Today was about the best day we've had in about two weeks, I'd say. And it's, you know, when it's wet and it's miserable and you're at home and you're working from home or whatever, it's kind of, it's hard to almost see anything to look forward to. And it's, you know, if your local team are playing or or even if you're a, a Manchester United fan like yourself, and they're playing that weekend. You know? uh, 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 mm, yeah. <laughs> and they're playing that weekend. Sure, look, you have something to look forward to. People do need something, don't they? They need something to something to bring back a bit of normality at the moment. Well, that that's it. And, uh, you know, it's great to see that the, the Formula One is still going ahead. And I suppose really look, looking back at the, that, that Formula One, the, this weekend's Formula One, uh, you know, as you said, it's a, it's an interesting track and, and things like that. So, you reckon like it'll suit the status quo? There won't be anyone coming in from that top five, uh, you know, into that top five. Um, or there'll be no one dropping out of that top five. Or shouldn't be uh, unless this unless someone makes a bug up. I I I really can't see it. The only thing I will say is that um, if Ferrari have that engine right. Um, it is a high-speed track. There are some very good straights on that. If they had their engine, uh, which I personally don't think they're paying much attention to at the moment, but um, if they had it right, 
I could do a fair bit of damage here, but I, I just can't see it happening. I can't. Um, I can't see. They haven't really been doing a major push this year at all. They've been kind of. I know they're testing the new car, um, and they're testing it. Believe it or not, in a, a track they have in Maranello, which is underground, um, as as well as their overground track. Um, but they're not really. I mean, the the amount of extras they brought to the car, not really. It's more next year's spec, and yeah, it's improving things, of course, because year on year, you know, they put restrictions on the engines. You can't do this, you can't do that. And yet the cars are able to be just as fast as the were a year before, um, which is very impressive when you think about it. Um, but you know, at the same time, I just I do feel this year like no one's really pushing no one's really doing but the drivers are going hell bent for leather there's there, there's no doubt that way but you know if you're if your car's not exactly right for the first race and it's still not exactly right near the end of this season uh, i'm sure it can get a bit frustrating you know at, at least at least in the turkish grand prix we had the rain and the rain is a great thing it's a great leveler it really pulls drivers out of absolutely nowhere and again i i think that's probably why charles leclerc and Sebastian Vettel did so well. Um, I mean, Charles nearly getting second only for a slight bug up on a turn. But um, I think that's why they did so well. They're, they're exceptional drivers. They really are. Uh, but again, you know, to be honest, there's 22 guys out there. Any of them can win if they're in the best car. You know, to say this guy isn't very good. They're the 22 best drivers really in the world because everyone knows F1 is the place to go to, especially if you want to make money. <laughs> That's it. They're at the they're at the top for a reason because they're the best at what they do. You know, they're the top. Yeah, I mean, X amount of what they do. Even 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 the 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 guy who comes last all the time. You know, you meet that guy and you give it a try yourself. I guarantee you he'd be around the track before you get the first corner. They're just all chain lightning, really. Uh, you know, so it'll be great to see. But it's going to be good, to be honest with you. Uh, next year is what I'm really looking forward to. I, I, I know we have the um, the announcement that Australia, I believe, are getting the COVID inoculation in March, um, which is good. Um, hopefully the rest of us will get it now fairly shortly too, because it would be nice to have a, a, a more serious uh, normality of a year next year. We'll have to wait and see, you know. But, the, but there is a lot of things happening in Formula One for next year, including, of course, the return of... Uh, one of my favourite drivers, uh, Fernando Alonso, who was just, you know, I, I don't think he's the fastest driver on the track, but I think he has a level of adaptability to tracks and adaptability to changes in the cars that it, it's exceptionally rare and it makes him a fantastic, fantastic driver. He is just, uh, again, he has that Schumacher doggedness, I suppose. But it will be nice to see, hopefully, fingers, fingers crossed and all that, it'll be nice to have things back to a bit more of a normality next year. I, I, I'm sure you'd like to see it yourself with quite a lot of the the things you're at yourself, you know, the between the football and the hurling okay. and you know what I mean? It'd be nice to get it back again, wouldn't it? That's it. And I mean, I suppose really looking at all the drivers as well in Formula One, you know, who would you say will be the best driver kind of from a tactical sense? Tactical sense, he's starting next year. That's going to be Fernando Alonso. He's the most tactical man I've ever... He's very good at it, very good. Um, he's the man that's able yeah. to win. He, he's got that Schumacher quality in that. If he's got the second best car, he's going to win. Um, you know, he's just got that quality about him. And I, I could see a lot of changes next year. Um, I think if Hamilton doesn't sign up to Mercedes, his career is over because 
I can't see anybody else putting that sort of push and money and time behind them compared to Mercedes. And I would expect to see the likes of, um, we say, Charles Leclerc and uh, Max Verstappen starting to stand on people a bit more next year. I mean, Charles Leclerc, in fairness, he's, he's not having an awful lot of racing. And, and with the lockdown and all that, you know, if you're a new driver, you're not really getting the proper crack of the whip that kind of everybody else did when they were starting in Formula One, you know, which is a, it's a bit of a disappointment, but there, there's a few new books on the way up. Hopefully we'll have uh, Mick Schumacher in a Haas too. Uh, good for two reasons. He's a great driver and it would be nice to see the Haas team actually pulling themselves forwards. And, you know, you get a good racer in there, somebody who knows what they're doing. I, I mean, I, I have an image myself in my head one time of, um, Ferrari having an issue with the car um, back in the Michael Schumacher era and uh, they did bad qualifying they didn't get past Q2 and um, two hours later they were shown video of the chief engineer and Michael Schumacher both with their arms in the engine trying to fix it you don't get too many drivers like that so I, I kind of hope Mick is um, is keeping an eye on that and speaking of the Schumachers uh, there was a bit of an article up there uh, this week it was great to see. Um, and Jean Toast was talking about Mick Schumacher, who um, Jean Toast used to be, as we know, very close to Michael Schumacher. And uh, he's announced that Michael is actually following his son's progress at home on television and, and watching very, very closely. So that, that's a, a good report on Michael Schumacher's health, I would have said. Health, I would have said. That's it. And I suppose moving on to... Uh... Car of the week. Well, I have a few brief ones this week um, because I was uh, out looking and poking and prodding. And, but, of course, we can't get in. We just look through the shop windows now, you know, and make them all foggy as we're looking in. <laughs> and, uh, well, that has, well, that's itself. <laughs> yeah, we get ba- I got banned from a couple of places, but we won't go there. Um, and I was just looking at the electric cars. And I thought, you know, you know what would be your top three um, electric cars at the moment and I was just looking into them um, one of them would be I'd say if you're looking for a very competitive small electric car now unfortunately electric cars tend to be small and I mean small um, but I suppose it'd be primarily used in the city would be the, the new Seat Me electric well it's not a new car it's an old car it's, it's been around a few years um, and they've just decided to do an electric version of it, and it's it's it, they say it's got a low price, uh, twenty seven thousand. I wouldn't call that a low price, and uh, it does one hundred and eleven miles. They're saying on a on a full charge. Well, I suppose as electric cars go, maybe it might be low. It might be a low price, but then again, it depends on the size of the car and the size of the 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 size of the engine or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Are taken into consideration, I suppose, like how many miles to the charge it does, and all those. Yeah, well, about 111 miles. What's that? About 170 kilometers, somewhere around there, I think. It's, 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 it's. it's, You won't be going long distance on it. Let's face it. But I mean, if you want something that you could, um, you know, head around, you could go to Athlone and back to Roscommon in and places like that, or down to Moat Park for a walk. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Uh, the thing I would say, though, is uh, it is a comfortable car and it's great in the town, but it's only really got four seats. Uh, if you were looking for something bigger with five, yeah, you might have an issue with that. And and it's it's got a very, very old-fashioned, boring interior. I, I actually don't think they've changed the interior from the old me to the new me. But if you want something a prettier looking, looking uh, my second choice would be uh, Renault Zoe. Now, I'm not the most 
avid fan of Renault because I, I, I had one before and I, I, I call it the migraine too uh, because it wasn't very reliable. Um, but, you know, it's... It also gives you migraines. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. But it's, uh, it's always a bit more conventional, <laughs> I think, than just uh, normal cars. It's a pretty looking small car. Um, some people call it nippy. That's kind of an excuse for a small car being a little bit quick on its feet. I call it quick. Um, but the electric motor on it, I, I, I believe, uh, when I was driving it before, um, when it came out, it's enough to shove it now at a good old pace. Now I have to admit, uh, charged away from a bit of traffic lights or anything like that. You know, now it does start again at twenty six thousand nine nine zero. Um, I suppose that's not bad for an electric car, but again, it is it is very small. And I mean, to put that into perspective, you know, twenty six nine nine zero. You know, I was looking at a, a Ford Focus SD line estate in petrol uh, earlier on this year for twenty six and a half thousand, which is. Uh, God, you'd fit two zones in the size of it. It's so big, you know. So, but I mean, again, it's it. You could nearly you live could nearly it. live in it, yeah. And again, its range is only about two hundred for the zone is about you know about one hundred and forty kilometers to two hundred or one hundred and forty miles, about two ten maybe kilometers. It, it's it's not it's not huge. It does have a longer range than a lot of the similar price cars. And I have to admit, the interior of it is lovely. They've done a really good job. They've, they've, they've really made it feel modern and like something you want, you know. But I, I'd say now, if you're tall, I wouldn't sit in the back of it. Um, I, I would say you might have a little bit of uh, uh, trouble in the back of it, shall we say. <laughs> That's it. And I suppose, really, if you, if you were looking from the point of view of, uh, you know, a company car... I suppose which would be the the best value for money. Well, now, in electric, I think you're snookered. They don't really make big electric cars, um, and that is a bit of a snag. I'd say if you're looking for something that's going to do you well, I would buy the Ford Mondeo Hybrid. Yeah, it's 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 thirty eight thousand, but it's it's an estate. It's got tons of extras. It's not entry level by a long shot, and um, it's a fantastic car. And I think they're quoted to doing. But sixteen hundred kilometers on a full on fifty quid's worth of petrol. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. Even allowing the fact that the car industry tends to stretch the truth a little bit, if you got thirteen or fourteen hundred yeah. on it, I mean, phew, that's phenomenal on fifty quid's worth of petrol. That's that's incredible. But it is again pricey. Uh, Thirty eight thousand is a bit of a stretch. I suppose if you're if you're a chief executive, perhaps maybe something like the uh, the Jaguar I Pace might be a nice idea. Uh, it's not a massive car. It, it is bigger than the other two, of course. But it's uh, it's Jaguar's first electric car. It sells a wee while at this stage. And I know it does about 350 on a full charge, which is quite good. Um, and it can be charged to 80%, I think, in under under an hour and a half. When you consider it's a bag, right? it, it, it seems you get more mileage uh, you know, to the charge from a Jag than you do from a normal Oh, car, you most certainly you know, do, from yes. You most certainly do, yes. But I mean, there is, there is, it's like the Teslas. They have the best longevity on the market. They, they really go the furthest distance on a charge. But, you know, again, like the Jaguar I-Pace, yeah, well, as like the Jaguar I pace is, is, is you're not going to get much change for a cup of coffee at a 90,000, and you want much more out of a Tesla either. Very expensive. I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the great range, uh, Teslas and that Jaguar I pace, fantastic range of them. Uh, beautiful looking machines. I mean, real head turners. You, you'll drive down the road, and people will look 
they're that type of car. But they're very expensive. Uh, you know what I mean? There's a lot of uh, the gas thing about electric cars. There's something I found very funny about them is they suffer from a lot of road noise. Someone told me this and I was in the car because, of course, the engine is quiet. You think the road noise is very noisy. Perhaps it's not as bad as people think. But, you know, after driving one, I had one for about four hours one day. And um, after driving it after a while, the first thing I said when he said, what do you think? Is I said, it's a bit noisy on the road. <laughs> so maybe they are, maybe yeah. they're, they're wider. Well, in the BMW's case, it's it's the, the tires are nearly bicycle tire width um, just to try and get that distance on them. And I suppose the other thing I don't like, I, I, I'm not fond of an electric car. It's very plasticky. Because, you know, we're supposed to be getting rid of plastic and electric cars have to be light in order to go a distance. So they tend to be very plasticky. Now, not in the case of the Jaguar I-Pace or a, a Tesla. Oh, no, them things are built like rocks. But um, you're paying for it. You're paying yeah. for it. Well, the thing, you know, but hopefully you'd like to think with the electric, with the electric car, because even though they're, they're expensive at the moment, the longer they're out, you know, as time goes on, they they should get cheaper because I, I suppose the thing about electric cars is it's very hard to get one secondhand if you can't afford a brand new one. Well, so I suppose eventually, I think the car the price. Will yeah, you see, there's, there's there's two issues really. I I've a mate who has um uh, a Nissan Leaf, and um it's only three years old. He was getting about nearly four hundred kilometers on a full charge. And he hasn't abused it, um, and he's now getting 120 kilometers on a full charge, and that's in the space of three years. Oh, yeah, wow. that's a massive drop. He was complaining at me yesterday about it, um, and of course the resale value. No, he's going to have to drive it till the wheels fall off because three of the garages in town, three out of four garages he went to refused to take it, and I think the third, the fourth one offered him somewhere. He wouldn't say exactly, but he said it was under 10 grand for a car that cost 35. That's <laughs> that's a bit of a slap in the face. That's a huge. But the only other thing I think is that the, the governments are shooting cars in the foot because, like, the UK now have announced that they want no petrol or diesel cars on sale in the UK after 2030 you know that's absolutely fine but if you're a car manufacturer now and you have a tiny little you'd run getting seven yeah but if you're if you're a car manufacturer and you're sitting there with a car that's really small but costing twenty seven thousand compared to maybe the petrol version which would be seventeen thousand. Are are you really going to be too worried about reducing costs when you know the government of that country are actually going to force people to buy them you know, and, and that's kind of, that's not helping. I don't think it's helping at all, you know. I, I think if the government uh, want to get you into an electric car, they've got to make them price comparable with petrol and diesel cars. That's the way to do it, because... Either that, either that, or, either that or unless the government do this scheme whereby if you want to buy a grant, buy a, an electric car to give you a, cer- a certain amount well, towards it, you know. Yeah, the thing is now we're just on, on that particular one, the Renault Zoe at that price I quoted is after government grant and after a couple of kickbacks from Renault. So I wouldn't like to be buying it without that. You know, I'd say you'd be... Stay away from Yeah, Renault. well, they're all like that, unfortunately. They are all ridiculously expensive. I mean, even the Hyundai Kona, I was quoted 28000 for, and I'm kind of looking at the guy with that sort of look, kind of, are you joking me? <laughs> and as I yeah, said to him, I couldn't take weeks shopping in the back of that. <laughs> you know, never mind anything else. Oh, you know, so... 
you wouldn't want to be going. You wouldn't want to be going away for a week. A, a week. Or no, something. no, that's very true. You wouldn't want to be going away where you couldn't come back and and, and get your clean underwear the next day. That's <laughs> all good fun, isn't it? You'd have to buy. You'd have to buy. You'd have to buy them yeah, when you I get there. I think you would somehow. Yes, you might have an accident with your luggage on the way there and claim it on insurance. <laughs> well, that's true too. And claim it against. Expenses. Absolutely, I am telling you. I am telling you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen. Thanks very much for doing uh, Formula One view this week, and we look forward to talking. To no you hassle, Aidan. I'll talk to you then, mate. Take care. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Michael O'Grady, our Formula One analyst.